Good morning and welcome to our Sunday worship service. This is the first Sunday of Advent, the Sunday where we light the candle of hope. And thank you to Caden and Maddie Clausen for lighting our first candle and also for providing us with our praise and worship this morning. Again, that is uh, a separate uh, video file that you can find on our website. And uh, if you want to have some time singing together with your family in worship this morning, uh, please check that out as well. Uh, I'd also just like to pass along a couple of quick announcements for you. Uh, we're coming to the year end in our church calendar, and so that means that there are uh, some ministry and committee positions that need to be filled. And so if you're interested in, in serving in some capacity or would like to know what roles are, are coming open, uh, if you would like to volunteer or to nominate someone else, you can check out that information on our church website. We have our nominating committee contact information there, and if you'd like to speak with them about what positions entail or what's open, uh, you can check out that information there at www.clarneychurch.com. Uh, of course, uh, for our offering, as always, you can still give of your tithes and offerings uh, through two means. You can come and drop them off here in the offering box in the church foyer, or you can put them in the mail and mail that to Box 969, uh, Clarny Mennonite Church, uh, Clarny Manitoba, R0K1G0, and make the checks payable to Clarny Mennonite Church. I would now invite you to bow with me, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season of the year as we enter the Advent season. And it's so fitting, Lord, that this first candle we light is the candle of hope. Lord, that is exactly what we need at this time in our lives, in this time in the world. We need hope. And we thank you that your hope, the true hope that you provide through your Son, Jesus Christ, is not only an answer for the temporary circumstances and challenges that we face, but that it's hope for the, the ultimate challenges of life, facing our own sin and the imminence of our own death, and yet, Lord, the hope you provide through Jesus Christ covers our sin. And, Lord, gives us hope for eternity, that there is life coming with you without end. And so we thank you, Lord, for this living hope that is so real in our hearts through faith. And so we thank you that we can proclaim this truth and that we can continue to worship you in this Advent season because you have done this. And, Lord, we thank you that this hope lives in our hearts through faith today. So, Father, we pray for this morning that you would bless uh, every aspect of our worship, that, Lord, as we sing, as we hear the word, as we pray, that you would be honored and glorified. We continue to pray, Lord, for your intervention in our world. We pray uh, your continued hand of healing upon those who have been uh, infected with COVID. We pray your hand of healing upon those who are struggling with other health issues, Lord, um, in many different ways. We ask, Lord, for your presence to be with those who are dealing with anxiety and depression. Lord, that you would lay a hand upon them and let them know that you are near and that they can cast their burdens upon you. We pray, Lord, for our government officials, for our, our doctors, for our nurses. We pray, Lord, for our small business owners and, and everyone around us, Lord, who's dealing with different circumstances in different ways, and we pray that you would undertake for each one. We pray, Lord, that you would help us ultimately to turn our hearts towards you, the true source of hope, the true source of help. And we thank you that in you we will find refuge. And so, Father, this morning we take refuge in you, we worship you, we declare our love for you, and we thank you that you are meeting with us even now, Lord, as we meet 
uh, in spirit. Though in different homes, your spirit combines us together in unity. And so we thank you for this. Now I would invite all of you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Today's scripture reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke and chapter 1. We're there, I'll be reading verses 5 to 25 and 57 to 66. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Then moving on to verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, 
he is to be called John. They said to her, There was no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So far the reading of God's word. For this first sermon in our Advent season, we were expecting to have Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge from Brandon coming down for this Sunday. However, due to the regulations in place at this time, we weren't able to have them. And so I have decided for this coming Advent season to uh, do a, a number of narrative sermons once again to highlight the incredible and rich story of Christmas. And so for our first Advent Sunday, I have used a combination of sermons that I first preached back in 2013 over some seven years ago, focusing on this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's a narrative sermon which I've entitled, Waiting to Hear from God. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, so much of our life of faith is spent waiting. We pray and then we wait. So often we preach and then we wait. We speak words of the gospel to others and we wait to see if there will be a response. And yet, Lord, in the waiting, you are working. And at just the right time, again and again, you respond. And we thank you that this story shows this wonderful truth once more, that we who wait upon you, we will find exactly what you intend for us to find and that you will provide in due time. So bless this word, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. The faint aroma of sweet-smelling incense lingered in the air as he prepared himself to walk up the polished marble steps from the court of priests and enter the holy place. He could hear the hushed murmurs of the people gathered in the outer courtyards, where the faithful had gathered to worship and to pray. He could feel his heartbeat racing as his excitement built. This was a momentous moment in his life, because for the very first time, the cast lot had fallen on him to receive the honor of lighting the fire on the golden altar of incense within the holy place. He had often wondered if this day would ever come. A priest was only allowed to light the incense on the altar but once in his life. When he had been a young man first training for the priesthood, he had simply taken it for granted that his time would come. But as the years and then decades had passed by, his lot was not cast, his doubt had grown with it. Was the Lord punishing him for some unknown sin in his life? He knew full well that was exactly what many of the other priests assumed, and they had good reason to think that, for in addition, he and his wife were barren. And of course, everyone knew that not being able to have children was a sure sign of God's judgment. As the pain of that reality once again flickered in his heart, Zechariah paused to gather himself. 
Though the wound of having no children was old and familiar, it still had the ability to strike him unexpectedly with overwhelming sadness. He had seen all of his his own brothers and fellow priests have children of their own. He had seen their joy as they bounced their babies on their knees, witnessed the pride in their eyes as their sons had finished their first recital of the Torah, and he had heard the family celebrations, only possible for those with a table full of children and grandchildren. Zechariah also remembered the countless, countless hours he had spent on his knees in prayer, pleading with God to give them but one child. He remembered how Elizabeth would come home, often in tears, weeping bitterly at some barbed or cruel comment from one of the other women. The stigma of being barren weighed heavily upon her, and she couldn't help but hear the whispers. It can't be Zechariah's secret sin that's being punished. He's a priest after all. It must be Elizabeth. She's the one to blame. Of course, Zechariah tried his best to shield his wife from these barbs, but there was only so much he could do. The fact was that for many years he had continued believing that God would give them a child, and he had waited patiently for God's reply. But that was already a long time ago. He and Elizabeth were now old and only getting older. At some point, he had to simply face the fact and accept the reality. They would never have a child. Then, with long-practiced self-discipline, Zechariah forced those thoughts from his mind. He closed his eyes and drew in a deep breath, holding it for a pause before exhaling. He could feel his heartbeat slow down and his mind clear as he returned his focus to this important task right at hand. Today was not a day for sadness. Today was a day for vindication. For at long last, God had chosen him to enter the holy place and light the incense on the golden altar, which symbolized all of Israel's prayers being accepted by God as they went up to heaven. This was the highest act of mediation between God and man, a solemn privilege and a sacred honor. And as such, it demanded Zechariah's full attention. Zechariah looked down at the bowl of burning incense that he carried in his hands. He whispered a silent prayer and then slowly and with reverence made his way up the white marble steps through the temple porch and into the inner hall of the holy place. The gold overlaid walls glittered and the altar that gleamed in in the distance before him caught his eye. At the far end of the room was the scarlet veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. He had never been this close before. Only the high priest was allowed to go into the holy of holies, and then only one day of the year, the Day of Atonement. Zechariah walked towards the golden altar, but then stopped short in mid-stride. A cold chill ran down his spine. Someone was standing beside the altar. He was certain that no one had been there just a moment before. Zechariah squeezed his eyes tight shut, thinking, I must be imagining things. Maybe in all this excitement, the nervous energy is getting to me and I'm seeing things. Once I open them, no one will be standing there. And slowly, Zechariah reopened his eyes. But the figure was still standing there, directly beside the altar. He looked like a man, and yet somehow Zechariah sensed this was no ordinary man. 
A fear unlike any other he had ever known gripped him. Who was he? What was he? And what did he want? Then the figure spoke. His voice was gentle, but rang with authority. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. How does he know my name and my, my wife's name? And how does he know we have no children? And he says we will have a son? How can this be? The figure continued. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah had somewhat recovered from the initial shock and now his mind began to analyze what he was hearing. If God had really heard his prayer and was going to give them a son, Wasn't he a decade too late? Ten years ago, it may have been conceivable, but having a son in their old age, it was impossible. As these thoughts raced through his mind, the figure stood waiting for Zechariah's response. After a long moment, Zechariah nervously (coughs) cleared his throat and replied, How can I be sure of this? For I am an old man. And my wife is well along in years. At this, the figure's eyes seemed to glow, and the voice that had previously been gentle now boomed out like rolling thunder. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. At this, Zechariah was now face down on the floor. The power and authority of what he had just seen and heard and felt was undeniable and overwhelming. An archangel of God had been revealed before his very eyes, and in his heart he knew that what Gabriel had told him was true. They would have a son, The fear that had gripped his heart and mind just moments earlier turned to joy and then remorse. How could he have been so foolish as to question God's messenger? How had he been so faithless to doubt that God had heard his prayer and could give them a son, even in their old age? Of course God could do it. Was anything too hard for the Lord? Just as he had done for Abraham and Sarah, he could do it for them. And just as Zechariah opened his mouth to affirm his newfound faith, nothing happened. His voice was gone. He tried again, but still not a single sound could be uttered. What the angel declared had come to pass, he could not speak. And just as quickly as the realization struck him, the angel was gone, vanished into thin air. Just as though he had never been there, the angel was gone. 
And Zacharias simply stared, awestruck and speechless. The desire to lift his voice in worship to God was greater than it had ever been before in his entire life. But though his mouth was silent, his heart burst with songs of rejoicing. God had not forgotten them. God was not punishing them. God was giving them a son, John. His name would be John, meaning Yahweh is gracious. Yes, how fitting. Yahweh is gracious. He was being gracious to them. Elizabeth would bear a special son with a special assignment, one who would turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God was not a decade too late in answering his prayer for a child. No, he was right on time, his time. The fragrance of worship and prayer filled the room as Zechariah finally lit the incense upon the golden altar. God had graciously received and was yet receiving the prayers of his people, just as he always had. Zechariah was reminded of the familiar words of the prophet Isaiah. He had recited them in the synagogue many, many times in his life before. Why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, O Israel? You, <clears throat> my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Nine months later, she felt the baby kick within her and smiled with the sort of inner satisfaction that only a mother can experience. You're going to be a strong one, my boy, and you'll need to be for what's to come. Elizabeth's voice trailed off as Zechariah entered the room. He had heard her talking, and he had that teasing twinkle in his eye. Don't look at me like that, Zechariah. You'd be talking to yourself, too, if you were living with a mute. A wide smile crossed Zechariah's face, and his mouth moved as though he were laughing, but not a single sound emerged. Many months had passed since priest Zechariah's fateful encounter with the angel Gabriel in the holy place of the temple. He had entered being able to speak, but had reemerged completely and utterly mute, unable to utter even a single sound. Immediately, everyone was aware that Zechariah had seen some sort of vision and had been struck by the power of God. He had been in the holy place a very long time and had finally come out making all sorts of crazy hand gestures. Like a mad game of charades, he had tried to convey to his fellow priests what he had experienced, but it was all to no avail. They couldn't make sense of it, and he couldn't speak. But still, everyone marveled and wondered, what could this possibly mean? When Zechariah had arrived home, at first Elizabeth couldn't quite believe it. How ironic. Her husband struck speechless? 
The one who seemingly never stopped talking? Especially if you got him started on the Torah, you may as well pull up a chair and get comfortable because you were going to be there for a while. But she was soon convinced that it was true. And she soon also realized that something else about her husband had changed. He wasn't acting quite like an old man anymore. Sure, the hair was still white and the wrinkles were still there, but he was standing up tall. And there was a spring in his step and a glow in his eye that she hadn't seen in years. She quickly discovered why. On the writing tablet, he had written the words that had changed Elizabeth's world forever. We are going to have a son. His name will be John. For a long moment, Elizabeth had just stared at the tablet, reading and rereading the words, trying to comprehend. Was this some sort of a game her husband was playing? Could the words possibly be true? She looked at Zechariah's beaming face, and there was no more denying it. And then as Zechariah had wrapped her in his arms, the tears of joy had just begun to flow as the burden of the many years and the cruel stigma of being barren, of having no children, just began to wash away. Her heart lifted in praise to God and spontaneously she declared, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Well, that had been nine months ago now. And as Elizabeth reflected back on that day and all that had transpired since, she couldn't help but smile back at her husband. In fact, she couldn't remember a time that they had smiled so much. Not since their wedding feast had there been a time where their hearts were so full of joy and hope for the future. They were having a son. After years of being barren and childless, like Abraham and Sarah of old, God was giving them a child in their old age. And not just any child, a special child with a special assignment, a prophet in the spirit and power of Elijah, filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth, and would be the one that the prophets had foretold long ago, the one who would prepare the way for the Lord, the Messiah. From then on, the wonders had not ceased for not only had Elizabeth conceived, just as the angel had said, but some six months later she had been visited by her cousin Mary, who was also expecting. She had also seen an angel, and at the sound of Mary's voice, even before she had walked through the door, like a soldier jumping to attention at the sudden presence of their commanding officer, Elizabeth had felt John leap up within her. And immediately a tremendous tingling sensation had engulfed Elizabeth's body. The spirit had come upon her and the words shot forth from her mouth, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Yes, indeed, the wonders had not ceased. A sudden pain jolted Elizabeth back to the present moment. Zechariah was still smiling at Elizabeth when he saw her expression suddenly change. Zechariah, it's time. The baby is coming. Following the initial mad scramble, the ensuing hours had seemed like an eternity as Zechariah paced and waited and waited and paced. But then when he had finally been called in, 
and finally held his newborn son in his arms, everything else was instantly forgotten. The years of childlessness, along with all of the wondering, the waiting, the tears, and the doubt, it all vanished in an instant. As he held that tiny, wrinkly, red-faced bundle in his arms for the first time, Zechariah knew that he was holding the tangible symbol of God's graciousness towards them. God had not forgotten him. God had heard his prayer, and at just the right time, God had answered in the most wonderful way imaginable. Eight days had passed, and the important moment had come now to ceremonially welcome their son into the covenant of Abraham through the act of circumcision. It was also the day that they would give him his name. One of Elizabeth's relatives spoke up, Zechariah, after his father, that seems like a fitting and fine name. A burst of agreement from all of the other relatives and friends assembled echoed their approval. Yes, Zechariah. But with a firm voice, Elizabeth spoke up, No, he is to be called John. They couldn't believe it. But there is no one among your relatives who has that name. We'd better double check with Zechariah. There was a buzz of anticipation in the air as everyone began to crowd around him. Would he agree with Elizabeth? Zechariah motioned for a writing tablet. Hunching over it so no one could see what he was writing, he finished and then slowly held it up for everyone to see. A collective murmur of astonishment went up through the crowd as written in big, bold letters they read, His name is John. Then something even more surprising happened. Like a thunderclap on a clear, sunny day, Zechariah spoke. And for the first time in almost ten months, Zechariah's voice rang out loud and clear. His name is John. And at that, everyone's mouths hung open in utter astonishment. They couldn't believe it. For the mouth that had long been silenced for doubting Gabriel's message was suddenly loosed, even as the angel had said it would. Elizabeth ran to her husband's side. Oh, it was so good to hear his voice again. And then there was simply no silencing him. It was as though a geyser filled with ten months' worth of praise erupted from the wellspring of a heart bursting with joy. And so filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah began to praise God and to prophesy. News of this astonishing chain of events spread quickly throughout the countryside, and everyone marveled and wondered, what then is this child going to be? Yes, at long last, after years and years of waiting, of doubt, of tears, of dark nights of despair, Something truly special was happening. And not only for an old priest and his once barren wife, not only for a young carpenter and his even younger bride, not only for a nation that had lived long under the boot of Roman oppression. No, something special was happening for the world. And though no one quite knew what would happen next, for the first time in centuries, they had hope. And just as the smallest pinprick of light can be seen for many miles, 
on the darkest of nights. The hope of God's Messiah finally arriving in the world glowed in their hearts and shone from their eyes. And as Zechariah prophesied, because of the tender mercies of our God, which by the rising of the sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And though there would still be many dark nights of uncertainty ahead, once burning in their hearts by faith, the hope of God could never be extinguished. For even in the darkest of nights, God's light burns on all the more brightly and is clung to all the more tightly as the arrival of God's Messiah draws closer day by day by day. And just as it was then, so it is today. Yes, the night is dark and the wait seems long. But my friends, look up, for our salvation is nearer now than the hour we first believed. Jesus Christ is coming soon. His advent is at hand. And for all who believe, he already dwells in our hearts through faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. So put your hope in God, and you will not be disappointed. For just as for Zechariah and for Elizabeth, God has heard your prayers, and at just the right time, he will answer in a more wonderful way than you could possibly imagine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of the impossible, that there is not one of our prayers that we have ever uttered that has ever sprung up from the depths of our heart that you have not heard. And even ones that may have been years gone by that we have long forgotten, you have not forgotten, Lord, a single one. You have heard, and in your infinite wisdom, mercy, and yes, grace, at just the right time, you will answer according to your perfect will. And we thank you, Lord, that in this incredible story of an old man and his older wife, who had long since given up hope of having a child, Lord, you hadn't given up hope for them. And at just the right time, you blessed them with a son, the son of prophecy, who would pave the way for the Messiah yet to come. And so we thank you, Lord, that in this we see a picture of our lives today, that, Lord, we pray, we long for the day of your return. And we thank you that every day it draws closer and the hope burns brighter in our hearts, even as the world seems to be getting darker. And so, Lord, may your light shine in our lives through this living hope. May the world see it. And like us, Lord, look up in faith, for you are close at hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We look forward to the day we see you face to face. And until then, we declare our love for you. We thank you that you will already indwell our hearts through faith by the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are nearer than a brother. And we thank you, Lord, that you are with us through these times. Bless each one who's listening today. Bless them in their circumstances and help them, Lord, to have this hope. And so now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May God bless you richly in the week to come. Go with Christ's presence and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep your hope fixed firmly on the Lord. He is walking with you step by step. And Lord willing, 
We'll see you right here again next Sunday.